just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. How are you doing today? I truly hope you're doing well. Uh, but, you know, I know a lot of people are struggling. Uh, pain can overwhelm you. Uh, and I know mental health uh, issues are on the rise. Uh, people are struggling with depression. I know we talk about COVID, but I think maybe that just kind of, you know, peeled the scab off, off of a wound that already existed. But we're going we're gonna to offer you some encouragement today and, and some real help. My guest today is a board-certified, oh, where'd it go, Neuro, neuropsychologist? Is that what it is? I missed it. Neuropsychologist. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I want to get that right. And so, I mean, she's got the training. She's got the background. Um, she also has struggled with some things herself that she'll tell you about. So she's lived it. Uh, and she is a Christian. She's a believer. So we believe it's more than just the, the mind and the body, but it is the spirit as well. And she has a new book out that just came out this month uh, that deals with a lot of these type of issues. It's a great resource if you need to go deeper. It's called The Hem of His Garment. looks just like that. It's available wherever you get book, and it's written by Dr. Michelle Bankson. And I welcome her to the program as I welcome the rest of you. If you are watching live, chat is open. We invite your comments, questions, uh, and, and dialogue. And if you're watching in the replay, uh, we appreciate your kind comments as well. Uh, but really, my, my goal here today is to bring someone on who can walk beside you for a few minutes, offer you some hope and some direction uh, out of the darkness, because uh, as, as long as you're breathing, you have hope. Uh, Dr. Bankson, welcome to Life Today Live. Good to see you again. Thank you, Randy. It's always good to be with you. Walk us through a little bit of, um, you know, what you're dealing with. I mean, I know the, the general idea here you know we, we talk about it quite a bit here on the program uh, but I think you have a neat, unique perspective not just in your training but in your personal life um, but walk us through a little bit of of the journey that you're you're letting people in on I think most people are familiar with physical pain you know a skin knee and a toothache or a sunburn but there's also emotional pain and relational pain, spiritual pain, grief, and loss. And my husband and I are no stranger to any of those. I experienced a life-threatening illness when I was three years old, and that has left me with physical deformity and chronic pain with every step I take. My husband and I have been diagnosed and treated with cancer multiple times. Mm. We've lost over 19 friends and family members in 2019 alone. We've gone through financial pain, miscarriage, as well as just emotional hurts. I went through a life-threatening illness about a decade ago. Talked to you about that when I was on with uh, Hope Prevails. But as a result of that, I was put on bed rest for five months, experienced two emergency surgeries, was kept alive on IV hydration and nutrition, dwindled from 113 pounds down to a skeletal 74 and mm. ran the longer I stayed in that sick bed, the more depression and anxiety got a foothold. And I had to deal with that as well. And different from my other works where I've written on the other side after I've come out of it, 
you know, the Lord just asked me to write a book ministering to those who are in pain, but this time from within the crucible of pain. This is different because I'm still there. I'm still experiencing a lot of the physical pain, the emotional pain, relational pain, but it's offered a unique perspective because I'm having to do the things that I ask my readers and my listeners to do. I'm reaching out to the hem of his garment, just like the woman with the issue of blood. And in our darkest times, that is enough. God is enough. So you titled the book and referenced the story uh, where the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. Um, how do you reconcile the ongoing pain with a story of healing? That woman experienced ongoing pain for 12 years. And when I think about her, I think about the likely physical pain because of her issue with blood. Mm -hmm. Any of your female viewers can relate to that. I'm sure there was emotional pain, wondering what she might have done to contribute to it or what she should have done to try to get her healing. Probably relational pain because she was ostracized from her community because mm -hmm. she was considered unclean. Mm -hmm. We know that there was financial pain because scripture tells us she spent all of her money on doctors only got worse. And then I wonder if maybe there wasn't spiritual pain, knowing that God could heal, but for whatever reason, he hadn't yet, as well as grief and loss, not just of her life and her livelihood, but her hopes and her dreams. And so for the viewer who's experiencing pain and wondering, God, where are you? And God, I know you can heal, but why haven't you? I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood because she continued to press in. And in our pain, we have a choice. We can either retreat from God and blame God, or we can lean in and continue to enact our faith, waiting for his healing in his perfect time and his perfect way. And that's hard. But I'm so grateful that God has given us examples in the Bible, like the woman with the issue of blood, like Job, like Hannah, where they continue to press in, not knowing if and when this side of glory, they would be healed. But I think that gives us hope and encouragement to do the same. You So there's, there's this spectrum in the Christian and the evangelical church, at least. Um, <clears throat> on one side, you've got sort of the fatalistic of, you know, well, I know we'll be healed in heaven but you know this life is just gonna be painful and i you know it's misery and it's corrupt and fallen and all those things are true um and then the other end and i've got some wonderful friends that we've had long discussions on this point who basically say you know i've I, i'm already healed by his stripes i have been healed you know kind of thing i just need to enter into the healing and that's a requirement of faith on my end uh and i i don't i think both of those one of my favorite phrases for every mile of road there's two miles of ditch i think both of those are ditches how do we how do we walk that proper road between fatalism and you know faith guilt if if i don't have enough faith I'm, something must be wrong with me I think part of it is recognizing that what God wants from us more than anything is for us to believe in him. 
He wants us to have faith, but scripture tells us he gives us the faith, the size of the mustard seed. Mm -hmm. So that fatalistic, you would be healed if you just had more faith puts guilt and shame. Right. And I just can't reconcile that with a God who doesn't guilt us and shame us. And then I look to scripture and I think about Paul and the thorn in the flesh. If it was just a matter of faith, I think Paul had enough faith. And yet God said, hmm, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for, but I'm going to give you what I know you need more. And that's where I think we have to sit is continue to have faith, but to trust God. Because what I know to be true about God is that he never withholds anything good from his children. And so if my physical healing today was in my best interest, I know he would do it. But so often the healing that we're looking for isn't the best that he has for us at that time. It doesn't mean he won't heal or that we won't ultimately receive our healing in heaven, but we have to trust him that like a good father, he does have our best interest at heart. That that can be hard. <laughs> I know, I mean, I'm sure you Here. know that. I up, do. Right, up close and personal. One of the things you do say in your book uh, that I thought was interesting, you say often walking by faith comes by crawling by faith. What do you mean by that? I mean, that we want to have this big enough faith to be able to handle any adversity without experiencing the pain. But sometimes our faith is grown the most when we can't even stand upright. The best we can do is try to crawl to reach out to God. And it's in those valley experiences, that crawling in the valley where I think God uses those experiences to give us a fresh revelation of him and his character. And when I receive that, sometimes it makes the pain not necessarily feel worthwhile, but it shows me that God doesn't waste our pain. And that crawling in faith is still exercising forward momentum when what I want is to be running and leaping and dancing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes the best I can do is to just crawl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, you you know, and anyone who's facing chronic pain especially, some sometimes the victory of the day is just getting out of bed. You know, when you're going through a lot of emotional pain or loss, sometimes the, the only thing you can do is breathe. And yeah. I don't, I, I think we downplay that sometimes, but truly sometimes that is, that is victory. Just not giving up, getting back up is not easy, <laughs> but that's where the victory is. How many, how many times you're knocked down is how many times you get back up. Um, I, I know one of the questions that I like to ask and I enjoy hearing different perspectives and they're pretty unanimous in the bottom line, but there is uh, there is a temptation to think that, well, and I, I think there's actually justification in scripture to think maybe that, that God does this, you know, we say, well, no, no, God allows it, which you're know, like, okay, well, if he could stop it, then kind of feels like the same thing. Anyway, where do you, where do you land on the idea of God allowing or even causing pain for some, you know, unforeseen purpose that we we don't grasp yet 
So often we talk about the original sin being Eve eating of the fruit in the garden. And yet, I don't think that's accurate. I think the original sin was Satan having so much pride that he thought he could be God. Hmm. And I truly believe that God doesn't cause pain and suffering and affliction. I don't think that's his way. But he also allows us to live in a world that is fallen thanks to the enemy and his desire to be like God. And so I don't think God causes it, but God is such a redemptive God that I believe that he does use it for our good and for his glory. But Randy, when you're the one hurting, when you have a hard time even getting out of bed, sometimes we don't care (laughs) how God's going to use it. We live in such a pain-averse society, we just want him to take it away. But hindsight gives us perspective. And as we've made it through trials and we can look back and recognize, wow, God really was my strength and God really was good and he really is faithful. And we recognize that so often those areas of our greatest pain and heartache often turn into the platform for our greatest ministry to encourage others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just an example of how God is such a redemptive God. It goes back to that verse in Genesis 50 that says, what the enemy planned for my harm, God will use for good for the saving of his people. And I have to hold on to that. But it is not easy because when you're the one hurting, Sometimes you feel like, God, why do I have to suffer so that other people can be helped? Yeah. And that's just our flesh speaking. But it's honest and it's real. And what I've learned is that God can handle our honesty. Yeah. Okay. That raises several more questions, and I'm going to ask them. <laughs> but I want to show you people the book. This is The Hymn of His Garment by Dr. Michelle Bankson, available if you want to follow up and, and join her in her journey, uh, especially if you are dealing with some things yourself. And then... Her website, uh, you can do the long form, which is drmichellebankson.com. You just got to be sure you spell that right, B-E-N-G-T-S-O-N. Or you can go to drmichellebee.com, and it'll take you to the same place. So I just want to give you those resources, whether you're watching or listening, uh, if you want to you know, follow up, um, because this is, this is not an easy issue if you're going through it. And... and Dr. B. Can I call you Dr. B? Is that, sure. okay. <laughs> I, I like that. That's It's easier. Um, if someone is going through the kind of pain that you're talking about, where you don't really, you don't want a theological treatise, you know, um, what what do they need to hear? What can you say to them? First of all, don't live in regret. Pain causes us to look back and wish for what we used to have. And regret will cripple your future. And I would also say, if you are struggling with pain, any type of pain, to the degree that you can, try not to make any big decisions. Hmm. Because too often our decisions are informed by our feelings and our feelings are temporary. So if you can avoid it, Don't make big decisions. And I would also please implore you, don't isolate. Because pain tempts us to isolate, Mm -hmm. either because we think other people don't understand or we think they grow tired of hearing about our woes. 
or we think we just can't relate to them. But that's exactly where the enemy wants us. He wants us to isolate, not only from others, but from God. And that will just make your pain worse. But I would also say, avoid overextending yourself. When we are in pain, sometimes, whether it's physical or emotional or relational, the best we can do is get up for the day, just like you were saying, Randy. But we live in a society that prizes productivity. Yeah. And that's hard when you're in pain. Sometimes the best thing you can do when you're in pain is just tend to your own bodily needs, your emotional needs, your relational needs. And more than anything, please don't give up. But in that pain, live one moment at a time. Pain wants to forecast that the rest of our life is always going to be this bad. And that is crippling when we adopt that focus and extend forgiveness to yourself and to others. You know, it's so easy to blame ourselves for what we could have or should have or might have done or what we did do to cause this. And sometimes we have to extend forgiveness and say we're doing the best that we can. Uh, you know, on talking about the relationships and on the, the productivity expectations, we, we've, we've got that in the church too, you know? Oh, yeah. We, we prize the mega church over the small town church. Um, and I, you know, I don't have a problem with numbers. Jesus spoke to large crowds. Um, but if you look back through history, it's some of the most impactful people in, in our country, in the world. You dig into their stories. This is why I, I actually enjoy biographies. You will oftentimes, if not usually, find that there was one person that made a huge impact on that person who made the, the big impact uh, in the sense of numbers, right? And that one person is oftentimes obscure, unknown, oftentimes a mother, you know, a homemaker. It's that hidden person that impacts that one that impacts the many. Don't you think that's true of the woman with the issue of blood? Well, I, 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 think, her name? I, I think it's, yeah, yes, but I also think that it could be true of many people who are watching who are oh, maybe bedridden and they only have contact with just a few people uh, or, or they, you know, their children, their grandchildren. I, I think it's easy to overlook the impact we could have on the one if we feel like we're not impacting many. But what I hear you saying is don't isolate. Don't let loneliness get you. Don't drive away the relationships because you feel like you're a burden or you're living in regret and things like that. But look forward because you never know what God's going to do. He does like to redeem. That's right. And when we give up, we miss out on the blessing of what God was going to do that we just couldn't see it in our earthly perspective. You say another thing in your book that I've heard Johnny Erickson Tata say, um, and she'll be back with us soon. Look forward to that because her talking to her, her story, I mean, and her insight, it just, it's rocked me. It, it's forced me to change my perspective. And I thank God every day I haven't gone through the suffering that she's been through. But you also say that we can experience God on a level that we wouldn't uh, unless we have this kind of deep suffering it, what have what have you experienced that you would say is a different level of god a deeper level with god through your suffering 
I used to live under the mindset that the more I did for God, the more he would love me. Hmm. And because I went through that horrible life-threatening illness where I could do nothing. I couldn't see patients. I couldn't be much of a wife or mother. It brought me to the place where I learned through that suffering that God doesn't love me because what I do. In fact, I feel certain that what he impressed upon my heart was that I could go back and work in my private practice a hundred hours a week, but he wasn't going to love me anymore. Mm -hmm. And if I never went back and saw another patient, he wasn't going to love me any less. And that was such a revelation to me, Randy, that it has changed everything. I don't do ministry efforts. I don't help patients. I don't write books because I'm trying to achieve his love anymore. I do it because I love him and I want to give back. It's such a different mindset. And if I never experienced the pain and suffering that I've gone through, I know myself well enough, Randy, that I would live under the mindset, I got it, God. I'm good. Mm. I'll let you know when I need your help. Mm. It's only through the pain and suffering that I realize I have very little control in my life and I need God for every breath. Mm -hmm. And if he brought the healing as quickly as I wanted it, the other thing I know about myself is I've got a really short memory. So if I pray for healing and I got it right away, I would probably forget what he'd done. You know, my husband, they forecasted that he was going to die of cancer 20 years ago. He was mm. given two years to live and he's still with us. But we had to go through the pain and suffering of that ordeal. And now I, I'm like, wow, only God. Mm. Only God. And so that's where I have to put my trust because nothing else and no one else is worthy of that faith and trust. I know another key um, component to getting through difficult times, uh, whether it's personal, physical pain, loss, loss of a loved one, loss of, of a marriage, uh you know, uh, the pain of uh, a child or a loved one who, who is addicted, you know, things like that. The, the people that, have, that go through these things that I talk to, um, and even what little that I've had to go through, they say that getting an, an eternal perspective really changes everything. And, and I can say that with myself because when you, if, if this life is all there is, then what's the point of suffering through it? You know, um, if there's not, if this isn't just the, the staging ground for something bigger, um, then it really takes a lot of the meaning and the motivation and sucks all the hope out of it. You know, what, what, what's happened with, I'm curious with you because I know this has to be a part of, of what you've realized in order to be able to talk to us today. If doctors, are accurate <laughs> there is no hope of healing for my chronic pain mm. this side of heaven mm. i don't know what god has planned i would love for him to eradicate this pain and i've told him on numerous occasions if you would just take this pain away look how much more effective i could be right, right. and yet it has brought me to a place where i can appreciate the suffering that jesus went through on my behalf he didn't deserve any 
of the pain and suffering that he endured. And so it brings me to a place of truly appreciating the salvation that he has offered. And it gives me hope because one day I will not live with physical deformity. One day I won't cry tears of sadness and sorrow. One day this physical pain won't even be a memory. I don't think I'll even remember it. I don't think I'll care about it when I get to heaven. But it is a daily challenge because in the flesh, I still want him to take it away. But when I maintain that eternal perspective, it gives me hope that God has so much more that I truly cannot even fathom on my best imagination. But I look forward to it. Have you had children? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So is, is it fair? Because I, I've not had children. I'm a man, despite what society says. I cannot bear children because I'm a man. Uh, I would agree with you. <laughs> so, okay, good. We're on the same page. It, it, but is is there a comparison between the pain of childbirth that you don't really dwell on or remember um, because of the joy of having the child? Is is that is that a fair comparison to the for me? It things is. That are, are, is it? I, I don't know that it would be for all women. Hmm especially depending on the outcome. But for me, that pain was so great. Oh my goodness. So great that as I was going through it, I wasn't sure I wanted another one. Right. But within 30 minutes of it being over, I was like, oh, this is the greatest example of love that I can possibly experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's have another child. I, it is a, a valid comparison because the pain and suffering was so great. I just wanted it to end. Mm -hmm. Then when you get the joy that comes out of it, it makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great insight. I do want to leave this on a very practical note for others who are watching who may not be going through this, but they have a loved one or someone else that is going through it. And Southern Lady watching now talks about the practicality of people doing things to, to help her, whether it's maybe cleaning their house, bringing a meal. If you know someone who is suffering chronic pain, I mean, I'm, they sound like great ideas. Are these bigger and better than just great ideas? Are these what? What is? What does it do for someone in chronic pain when someone just shows up to help? Oh, it helps minimize the lie that you're all alone. Mm. It takes that off the table. It lets you know you are loved, you are seen, you are cared for, because God's the one who sends them. But the best thing we can do is not say. Let me know if there's anything I can do because the pain sufferer is on decision overload. They're not going to let you know. The best thing you can do is, is send a text and say, I'm headed to the grocery store. Is there anything you need that I can drop by and leave on your porch? Hmm. So you don't even have to come outside. I'm picking up my own kids. Can I pick up your kids for you today? So you don't have to go out, send them a prayer, send them a text saying, I was thinking about you today. How's your pain level? Hmm. Just that lets them know they're not alone. They are seen. They are loved. They are cared for. So, yeah. I, I, I don't, okay, so here's a question. If, if you just do for someone who is in chronic pain, did, I think my mind goes, does that um, send a negative message that they're not able to take care of their own responsibilities if I jump in and do that? No, because no. you can never do everything mm. that they have on the plate. Okay, okay. I think that's great because I mean, if you if you don't if you haven't been there, you don't know, you know. And I would be the type be like, hey, I mean, I literally sent this to someone recently, different situation. Um, 
they said, hey, just letting you know I'm here for you. And sometimes that is appropriate, but it's very interesting that you say for the, especially the chronic pain sufferer, that just leaving the ball in their court maybe not be the best course of action, but actually getting out and doing something, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when my husband was going through cancer, the cross-country team for my son's school showed up and raked all of our leaves one Saturday. Hmm. There was no way I could do it. There was no way that he could do it. And that was such a great display of selfless love that I will never forget it. Hmm. Now I think about that for other people when they're going through a hard time. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate that. All right. Dr. Michelle Bankson has a podcast you need to know about. It's called Your Hope-Filled Perspective. And you can find that on our website, Dr. Michelle B. Or if you know how to spell Bankson, you can spell that out. Uh, but drmichelleb.com uh, is a great website to visit. Um, I, you know, I know this has encouraged a lot of people. I can see it in the chat, and I know many more will watch. Uh, so I appreciate your time and your insight. Is there anything that you want to say to people before I let you go? I just want you to know you're not alone. It may feel like you're alone. And even if people are not doing the things that we just suggested, God sees you. He loves you. He bends down his ear to hear you. And if all you can do is whisper, Jesus, help, that's enough. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Appreciate you uh, a lot. If you are watching and you are in pain, you can follow up. Uh, the book is available, Him of His Garment, where you get books. Um, and if you know someone who needs some encouragement, hit that share button. Uh, and, and as always, we invite you to like, follow, subscribe, whatever, so you can get more encouragement and some different topics. Tomorrow, it's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> but we've got some good ones lined up. So appreciate you guys watching. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.